Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for being with me here. Of course, it is Friday. Happy Friday out there, June the 19th. On today's show, well, there was a TNRT board meeting yesterday, and to talk a little bit more about what happened, I'm going to be joined by the chair of the Thompson-Nicola Regional District, Mr. Ken Gillis. He's going to be coming up in about 15 minutes here. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the situation out at Stump Lake. Of course, homeowners there dealing with significant flooding issues. Kamloops MLA Todd Stone was uh, speaking on the issue here yesterday on the NL Morning News. He was saying, well, now is not the time for another study, and it's time for the province to step up to the plate with some money to help out. Well, I ended up speaking, of course, with Minister of Natural Resources Operations Doug Donaldson yesterday, who said, well, he, his staff, anyway, met with TNRD officials on Wednesday. This is what he told me. And he says that the TNRD holds ultimate responsibility for what happened. So I'll get Ken's reaction to that here as well. But... To begin today's show, while well, the Business Council of BC issued its latest economic review, and it expects thousands of jobs permanently lost from the 2020 shutdown to really never come back. Here to talk more about this, of course, I'm joined on the line by Chief Economist and Vice President of the BC Business Council, Ken Peacock. Ken, thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely, you're very welcome. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the fact that, you know, substantial job losses have happened here as a result of this pandemic, as a result of COVID-19, of course, uh, historic job losses really in the province of BC. And now you guys are kind of taking them some, some deeper looks into things here and seeing what potentially could be lost for good as a result of this. So maybe if you just want to start by giving me a, a bit of a summary uh, of this latest report and what you guys are seeing. Sure, sure. I'll start at the, at the high level. Um, we, we took a look. The, the thing about this report is we took a look a few months ago, or actually in March, a couple months ago, uh, at what the impact was, was going to be, and we thought it would be about you know a seven to eight percent negative hit <clears throat> to gross domestic product or the output in the provincial economy. We've updated that view and, and, and think we were sort of had it right in the beginning. We think the economy will shrink by seven point eight percent this year, but in this report we turned our attention to next year. And, and the recovery and the rebound. And this is really, really the critical issue and starting to get at what you were alluding to about whether or not jobs will be permanently lost. We do expect the economy to, to rebound fairly significantly next year, almost 5%, 4.8% is what we're forecasting. Uh, that's, a, that's a big upward move. And in normal times, that would be a very, very strong, robust uh, economic expansion. But of course, Jeff, it, it, it follows an 8% contraction. So a lot of that is simply a rebound. And, and in the context of an 8% contraction, uh, not particularly strong. And in fact, it, it only results in us kind of um, regaining a bit more than half of our lost output. And if we jump over to the employment side, um, we, we think a similar kind of scenario is going to unfold. We're going to see a big bump in employment in the next couple months as the reopening continues. Uh, that's for sure. But as we get into the third and fourth quarters of the year, business failures are going to start to mount. That rehiring process is going to slow. So we see job growth and formation really dampening in the, in the second half of the year. And us losing, uh, we'll be lucky if by the end of the year we regain half of all the jobs we've lost, I would say, Jeff. 
Right. Okay. So just to put this into context, so you're looking at a potential 7.8% contraction in uh, GDP here this year. Um, and that's, uh, you know, quite a bit better than the potential worst case scenario where we're projecting, you know, up to a 12% contraction. So quite a bit better than that, almost a, or over a full 4% better. And then when you're looking at what you can expect in 2021, with things to rebound by close to 5%, is that, you know, sort of middle ground? I mean, is that uh, just sort of where is that in sort of the, the extreme projection? I guess, whether it be for the best or worst case scenarios? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. You, you're right. Uh, when we did take our original analysis back back in March, we, we did think that, you know, under a more extreme lockdown scenario where retail and food services were shut down for a couple more months and um, international travel was, was restrained for, for longer and the global recession was deep. But we did, in fact, see a potential for more than a 10, 10% decline. But we look around now, the, re- the reopening is happening. Um, and I, I, a second wave is absolutely coming, but I think we're going to manage it. And it's, a, it's prob- probably one of the more optimistic elements of our report is I think there's a good chance we will be able to contain and manage us because we have equipment, we have testing capacity, we've got systems, and, and people are more knowledgeable and familiar with how to deal with this. So I think if we do have second round of closures, they will be more targeted, particularly here in BC. That's one of the main reasons we don't uh, see a more dire, you know, double digit uh, contraction for the provincial economy. Things are plenty dire enough without having to really heat, heat that on. So uh, that that's a plus. Um, we, we are backing off that more dramatic scenario. Now, having said that, things are really turning south at, at the global level. Um, the OECD just came out with its most recent forecast, and it has a, a much deeper downturn at the global level than, than other international agencies have had. And and so that did shape our thinking, and that's one of the main reasons we went from a sort of a 7.3% contraction to almost a nearly 8% contraction, is because as the BC economy starts to emerge from this temporary freeze it was put into, the global economy is going to weigh on the provincial export sector. And that's another reason why job growth is going to be dampened in the second half. So it's this, uh, as we start to recover, we're going to get slammed and, and hit very hard by this global deep downturn. And, and that's, uh, that's one of the big challenges with trying to get out of this deep hole that we find ourselves in, Jeff. So, uh, you know, when you kind of look at how the, the BC economy will be impacted by what's going on on a global scale, I guess, how much does that determine what jobs uh, are potentially going to be lost on a more permanent basis? I mean, is that, uh, is that sort of the, the two things that correlate? Is, is jobs within that export sector that might be the ones that might be a little bit diffi- more difficult to get back? Um, you know what? It's, it's both. So the unique thing about this recession is, is the consumer services economy got shut down. Typically in a recession, uh, you know, the global economy slows down, uh, the export sector slows, people get laid off, spend less money, and we see a downturn in, in large purchases by consumers. So durable goods, we call them. So things like cars and furniture and stuff. Spending on that drops off. Sometimes spending on housing drops off, but usually spending on services uh, it, it is, is quite solid and it holds up. People need to get haircuts still. They still need to go um, out to things, most right. go out to restaurants and whatnot. So that is a fairly resilient thing. In this recession, it's the exact opposite story. That sector and segment got hit really hard. And then now we're kind of getting into a more, un, well, more normal 
uh, recession where the export sector and the other things are going to be hit hard as well. But I think we're going to see some of these permanent job losses in, in that service space. A lot of restaurants are going to fail. They're not going to be able to reopen. A lot of small businesses are not going to be able to manage no revenue for, for three months. So I think we're going to see uh, a lot of permanent job losses in that space. And then you are correct as we get into this downturn from the global uh, the global economic recession, that will have implications for employment in, in the export sector. And we will see some job losses. More difficult to ascertain whether those will be more permanent or, or temporary. But I think we're going to see job losses fairly widespread here. But the hospitality and food services space and the tourism industry are going to be particularly hard hit when we talk about permanent losses. Okay. Yeah, that makes a, a whole lot of sense. And, and yeah, everything, I guess, is sort of intertwined in some way uh, when you look at it in that perspective. So what do we do here moving forward? I guess, uh, is there a, is the Business Council of BC put together any sort of plan or thought as to how we can help the economy stay afloat, how we can help some of these jobs that uh, might permanently be lost, uh, you know, continue to stick around? Is there any, you know, solution or at least thought towards a solution that uh, that you guys have put out there? That's a great because we are actually working on a, a rebuilding and recovery document um, as, as we speak, uh, gathering in, input and information and, and thoughts from our members and uh, compiling this. It, it, generally speaking, it's clearly a difficult circumstance, mm-hmm. but um, there's going to you know, government spending on infrastructure projects is going to be key to this. There'll be a lot of scope to build new projects in the province because the construction sector generally will be dampened down. So I think there will be capacity for that. And another thing we're saying is is this is not the time to add additional costs to businesses. Businesses, particularly in that services space, are already facing additional costs by having to do new cleaning regimes and keep staff on to to manage people at the front entrance and whatnot. So they've got these additional operating costs. We don't want to add additional costs to them in a time where they've had no revenue for a while, the environment is uncertain, consumers are going to be tentative. Um, so, So that is one thing we're saying. And don't start increasing or uh, reaching out and doing new regulatory reviews and processes as well, because that's costly and time-consuming for businesses. We really think that this is just uh, a a hunker down for the next two years and focus on employment growth, what we can do to attract investment, have companies reinvest. And and the way I'm kind of characterizing it is we got to fight to get back every job that was uh, a, a temporary layoff so they don't become permanent. Some will, of course, become permanent. And we also have to create an environment where new businesses can flourish because there is going to be churn and turnover. Businesses are going to fail, but new ones are going to start. And we just want it to be a sort of a conducive business environment so they can invest, hire people, and uh, get people back to work because this long-term unemployment really really is something that's a concern uh, for, for us as we work out over the next couple of years. Well, Ken, thank you so much for your time here today. I really do appreciate it. Of course, uh, a couple of weeks from now, I hope to get the, the latest job figures here for the province of BC, and I look forward to getting a, an analysis from you on that, as we've done here over the last few weeks. So hopefully we can connect here soon, but really appreciate you taking the time here today. Yeah, you're very welcome. We'll talk then. That was Chief Economist and Vice President with the Business Council of British Columbia. Ken Peacock. All right, well, I got to take a quick break here. And when I come back, well, I'm going to be chatting with the chair of the Thompson Nicola Regional District. There was, of course, a board meeting yesterday, and there's some, you know, ongoing issues out at Stump Lake. We're going to be talking about all of that after this, so stick around. And the Jeff Andrea Show will be back in just a bit. 
listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on Friday. Now, there was a TNRT board meeting yesterday, and to talk a little bit more about what happened, well, I'm joined on the line now by the chair of the Thompson-Nicola Regional District, Ken Gillis. Ken, how are you here today? I'm well, thank you, Jeff. And yourself? I'm doing not too bad. Thanks for asking. Uh, Yeah, so there was, of course, a TNRD board meeting yesterday, a number of things on the agenda. Uh, One of the things that did stand out to me yesterday was talk about this new uh, multi-platform emergency alert system, which is set to roll out across the region starting next month. Um, You know, this uh, seems like a pretty good tool, I think, moving forward. Can you maybe tell me a little bit about this Voyant alert system and, and what it's all about? Well, I don't know a great deal about it, to be honest with you. It kind of uh, it kind of came up in the last couple of weeks, and it's simply a system that will let us know if there is, uh, you know, a, a biomedical issue that we should be aware of, or a flood, or a fire, and it will uh, automatically go to your phone. And other, you know, in that respect, I guess it's uh, sort of similar to. Uh, to a medical alert kind of thing that uh, will send a message to the hospital if you're if you're uh, in some kind of difficulty. But instead of sending a message away from you, it'll send a message to you. Yeah. So I mean, I guess how does that work now? If if there was a, you know a flood or a fire or something where you know there would have to be some kind of an evacuation or even just a notice to be on alert in case that you know the situation gets worse. How do you guys go about communicating that right now? Well, we. <laughs> We phone Radio NL. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, no, we we put out a public uh, announcement, and we do it through uh, obviously through social media. We do it, and we do it through all the public media that we can possibly gain access to. And as you know, uh, it's it's hit and miss. And this will be, well, I guess to a certain extent, this would be hit and miss too. But it'll go directly to individuals. Right. Yeah. Of course. Well, continue to call us here at NL. We'll do our, what we can to get it out there. But of course, not everyone's listening listening all the time, although I think that's a shame. I think people should be on NL 24-7, 365. So there's my little uh, plug for us. Right there. I find it hard to imagine they aren't. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, a couple other things, too, that were interesting. One to me that stood out was uh, the TNRD Film Commission was looking to increase its budget by 35000 Of course, you know, the filming industry has had a, a bit of a rough go here over these last three, four months, but are looking to start ramping things up here soon-ish. Anyways, um, just what are your thoughts on on this fact that they're looking to build a studio here for about $30,000, an audio studio, I guess, from what I understand. Uh, Sounds like a pretty cool initiative here. Just what are your thoughts on, on raising the budget for the film commission? Yeah, we will be. I think we uh, clearly voted in favor of that. It's not in order to build anything, Jeff. It's uh, in order to fund a study that will assess the feasibility of operating a full-blown uh, film fe- film uh, studio in the regional district. Okay. Now, it may be in Kamloops. It would not necessarily be in Kamloops, but it will have to be close enough. But we're talking about a 20,000-square-foot facility. The $35,000 that we approved yesterday is simply to uh, initiate a study to see if that would be a, f- a feasible operation, uh, a full-fledged uh, film studio in our area, and I'm I'm really excited about it. I, we've talked about it for some time. There's been some discussion as to whether or not it would be viable, and now we're going to find out for once and for all if it would be viable. And if it would, then then I guess the real serious fundraising would start. But you mentioned the film industry, and you are quite correct. 
the film industry has had a, a rough time of it in the last few months, but the film industry is one of the few things that has been helping to uh, alleviate some of the difficulty experienced by some of our smaller communities. If they do get a film production into places like Lytton or, you know, or Cash Creek or, or particularly places like, uh, like Merritt and, and Clinton where sawmill closures have, have devastated their local economies, uh, having a film production move in there, even for the short time that they're there sometimes, is a tremendous shot in the arm. Absolutely. I know uh, we saw it here earlier in the spring, and there was a couple other projects that were on the books here this summer that uh, who knows if they're actually going to go forward now. But definitely exciting anytime you get a chance to have a, a film crew come through town. It uh, definitely brings some buzz with it, that's for sure. Um, well, yeah, so we were invited to watch one uh, some time ago. I don't know how much I'm allowed to divulge about it, so I won't divulge <laughs> any. But we were invited to watch one uh, out three or four months ago, before this, just before this broke out, actually, the COVID-19 situation. And it was fascinating, and I was overwhelmed by the amount of uh, equipment and, you know, the, the number of people that they had. There, there was a huge number of people on the set, and it's, uh, it's a, as I said, it's a wonderful injection of financial activity into any small community. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely exciting, for sure. Um, and I did want to ask, too, I heard there was a motion yesterday to start broadcasting all TNRD meetings. Um, I know that this has been something that, uh, well, maybe not this specifically, we're talking about broadcasting, but I know you've been trying to meet virtually here a few times, and it's been quite frustrating for uh, a number of people on the board. Uh, you know, you get, there's quite a few of you guys that do try to meet together. Um, any concerns or, uh, you know, thoughts on, on the possibility of broadcasting all TNRD meetings? Well, we had uh, we had discussions actually, Jeff, about all sorts of things in that regard, um, and what, the motion that came forward came from Director Rothenberger, and his motion essentially was that we have staff looking into the cost of live streaming our meetings, but we've got all kinds of issues to deal with right at the moment. Uh, mainly the fact that our boardroom will not accommodate all board members uh, and still allow us to maintain social distancing. So we're going to have to find a venue. As you know, our meeting yesterday was at the Delta, uh, and that was satisfactory. It's not uh, without significant cost, however, and, uh, and it's a little bit difficult but it was certainly far better than the virtual meetings that we have attempted in the in the last three months leading up to yesterday's meeting and i'll tell you for me it was just wonderful to see everybody yeah <laughs> i can was, imagine uh it, it was uh, like a family reunion almost <laughs> we're a pretty close-knit board and we try to maintain that and and it was just great to see it. We, we didn't shake hands with anybody but we sure said hi <laughs> And it was good to see all the other directors. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine. I know for my, uh, you know, as a media member, I selfishly would like to see them uh, broadcast that all the time. Just makes things a little bit easier from my perspective. But, uh, yeah, definitely I think more things, uh, important, more important things to worry about maybe at this stage of the game. But definitely a, a conversation I think that's worth having. Um, I think oh, that's... And we're definitely going to have that conversation. And I, I see this coming in the future. Yeah. I guess what I was trying to say, Jeff, is that I'm just not sure where it's going to come from, whether it'll be from our boardroom or 
uh, or whether it'll be from some other venue right. uh, that we that we have well, chosen or that we have managed to secure. But keep your ear to the ground on this one. There will be some developments, I'm sure, in the next 30 days. We'll oh. be able to give you a bit, a bit of a heads up. All right, I'll mark that date in my calendar, 30 days from today here, June 19th. All right, Ken, I think that's pretty much it on the, the board meeting itself. Was there any other highlights that you had from yesterday's meeting that you wanted to bring forward? Uh, no, I just uh, I think I just mentioned it, the fact of how great it was just to see yeah. everybody in person once again, to see the faces as opposed to hearing disjointed voices from uh, from failing <laughs> failing connections. <laughs> well, before I did let you go, though, I did want to just ask a little bit about what's going on at Stump Lake. Of course, you know, it's been a trying situation there for those uh, residents who are living there, the uh, eight-plus homes there that have been affected by significant flooding. Um, and we've heard a lot of back and forth, both from the residents there, from the TNRD. We've spoken with people within the provincial government as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to say finger pointing, but not. Uh, it feels like more studies are, are what's on the horizon and not necessarily more action. I just wanted to get your thoughts on sort of where the situation is right now and what's being done to help support residents. And, and that's, uh, you're quite right. The, the, it's been more than a trying situation, as you put it, for the people at Stump Lake. I went down there. I was on kind of a limited time schedule. There was a boat tour schedule that I wasn't able to participate in, but I don't think I needed to. I saw enough uh, devastation there to convince me that this is this is no small thing. This isn't somebody whose front lawn has gone underwater or whose little flower garden. People are losing their homes, and indeed stand in serious peril of losing their entire investment in those homes, and it's it's tragic it's heartbreaking but we've, we're caught up in a bit of a dilemma here in the first place it's not regardless of what i understand you may have been told by some ministry to the best of our uh, information and research it is not something that the tnrd can deal with i mean the water act is a british columbia government act it's not our act and the and the province is in charge of water what we do and all we do as far as uh, up till now, and as far as we've been able to do up till now, is to provide m minimal emergency things. I mean, we, if, if we had to evacuate people, uh, we would provide emergency accommodation for them. Uh, we do provide sand, sandbags, and that sort of thing. But that's the limit of not just of our uh, responsibility, it's the limit of our ability, period, to, uh, to assist these people. So we've been looking to the provincial government for some help on this. Now, having said that, the provincial government, or whoever takes it, is going to have a very, very difficult time of it. Because any action that's taken to help the people at Stump Lake, there's only one action that can be taken to help the people at Stump Lake, and that's to remove a substantial amount of water from the lake itself. Now, uh, that cannot be done, and I heard Todd Stone yesterday, I want to return to that in a moment, uh, that cannot be done without consultation with the people downstream. And so that's why we are in the process of trying to arrange funding for a hydrological study that will measure the effects of a, of a measured discharge from Stump Lake, because it goes from Stump Lake down through uh, a couple of ranches and some Ducks Unlimited property and into Nicola Lake. And the director um, from that area, David Laird, was as recently as four weeks ago taking people on tours up Nicola Lake to show them the problem of, uh, of flooding there. 
So obviously, if you pour more water into Nicola Lake, you've got flooding there. And uh, for more seriously, for some people, the next thing is it has to uh, exit Nicola Lake. And when it exits Nicola Lake, it goes into the Nicola River. It runs right through the city of Merritt and down through Lower Nicola. We've had major, major flooding problems both in the city of Merritt and more so even in the Lower Nicola area. There's been bridges that have been taken out. There's all kinds of things that have uh, that have resulted from increased flow of the Nicola River. So th- th- this is not something that we can undertake without a proper hydrological study. This is, and I did hear uh, uh, MLA Stone say yesterday, but the time for studies is over. But I, I'm, I have a phone call in to him. I want to talk to him about this because this is pretty serious. And I don't think that we can proceed without a proper study because we have to measure the impacts on the people downstream. And it, it would be utterly irresponsible just to suddenly say, well, fine, we'll let the water out of Stump Lake and to hell with everybody below Stump Lake. We cannot do things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did speak yesterday myself with uh, Minister uh, Doug Donaldson out of the Ministry of Forest and, and Land Development, and he was talking about how it is, uh, in his opinion, this is what he said to me yesterday, he says, uh, our staff uh, met on Wednesday with the TNRD to hear from them about long and short-term solutions. We're focused on that. Um, and then they went on to say the, the, they, that being the TNRD, hold the ultimate responsibility, but we want to make sure that we are a part of the solution. Um, I guess just when you hear that i mean it, like you said you you think it's up to the province to kind of step up to the table a little bit here todd stone was saying it's up to the province to come forward with some money to start making up some solutions whether that is a study or not um it just feels like a lot of finger pointing here and and you know where where do we go from here this is just a, it, it feels like a, a bit of a a circle a bit of a merry-go-round we're on right now well, I can tell you that if there is uh, an area of responsibility for the TNRD, we will not uh, shrink from that, and we will not back away from it. And I, I didn't uh, attend any meeting with Minister Donaldson, and I'd be more than delighted to study any legislative authority he has for the, for the proposition that this is a TNRD responsibility. I uh, have to tell you, no, this comes as a disappointment to you, Jeff, but indeed I have been wrong in the past, and I might be wrong about this. But so far, we have found absolutely no legislative authority for the proposition that it is a regional district responsibility. And I would go beyond that and to say that we're probably not even able to, uh, to interfere in the, uh, in the administration of water resources. So if Minister Donaldson has some legislation that would prove me wrong, I'll be more than happy to see it. And if anybody can establish that it is a TNRD responsibility, as I said, we certainly won't shrink from it. We never have, never will. Well, Ken, uh, thank you so much for your time. Sorry to get you a little bit fired up there at the end, but I really appreciate you coming up and, and talking to me on, on what happened yesterday's meeting. Glad you guys were able to finally get together and see some faces. I know you've been missing for a little while, and, uh, yeah, we'll continue to follow the issues here as well as they progress. But thanks so much for your time here today. Thanks ever so much, Jeff. Always, always a pleasure. That was the chair of the Thompson-Nicola Regional District there, Ken Gillis. Uh, yeah, definitely a little bit fired up there at the end. And just to go back and visit some of the comments uh, that we were talking to specifically. So, Kamloops uh, MLA, Todd Sp- Stone, he was on the NL Morning News yesterday. He spoke a little bit in regards to the Stump Lake situation, which, of course, Ken uh, Gillis did just uh, refer to a little bit there. He says he wants to have a conversation with Todd about what's going on here. But I figured I'd play at least a portion, a small clip of what was said yesterday uh, on the NL Morning News by Kamloops MLA Todd Stone. I've read all the reports. We don't need any more reports. 
uh, it's time it's time to pick pick you know one of the options, and uh, I would suggest it's time for the province to step up and put some cash on the table uh, to solve this problem once and for all. Yeah. So uh, Todd Stone saying, you know, it's uh, it's been enough with the reports. There is continued to be calls for reports. I've seen uh, signs from homeowners out on Stump Lake with their house sitting five feet underwater, and it just reads a sign that says, "We don't need any more studies. We need more action." Uh, I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, of course. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so Todd Stone saying, "Enough with the studies. We don't need any more studies. It's time to come up with a solution." Well, you heard Ken Gillis talking earlier saying, "Well." We have to do some more studies to find out what's going to happen with people going on downstream. You can't just drain the lake without, uh, you know, thinking about those who are living downstream. And as I mentioned as well, here I caught up with Minister of Forests, Lands and Natural Resources Operations, Doug Donaldson, yesterday. I asked about his knowledge of the Stump Lake situation and what is the ministry doing about it. Well, here is what he had to say to me yesterday. Our staff, uh, through my ministry, uh, met with uh, TNRD officials yesterday to, uh, to, to hear from them about long-term solutions and short-term solutions and and we're uh, focused on that tnrd uh is uh is working on um on those solutions and we're we're happy to hear from them and and work with them where we can uh, they hold ultimate responsibility but uh, we want to make sure that we're part of a solution so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish I had a clearer answer about who is exactly responsible and what is going on. It's hard to, to pinpoint exactly where the situation is going to go from here. And I've seen the pictures of, of the homes that are out there. I've heard from some of the homeowners. I've, I've listened to their comments as well. You know, a lot of them trying to hold back tears while they make any comments, and I totally get it. They've put their life savings into some of these homes, and they just want to be able to live there. And right now, they're, they're, they're inhabitable for the most part. So definitely frustrating, definitely a tricky situation, and I do have some empathy going out to everyone involved because this is not uh, something that's clearly going to be a quick fix and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's definitely a story we're going to continue to follow here at Radio NL. All right, well, I got to take one last break here, but uh, yeah, it's been a good show so far and the Jeff Andrea Show will be back in a bit, so please stick around. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Well, welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show here on Friday, June the 19th. It's been a good week here, I think, so far. A great show here today, in my opinion. Ken Gillis, of course, getting a little bit fired up there in regards to what's going on at Stump Lake. Heard from Todd Stone here earlier in the week on the NL Morning News. Heard a little bit from uh, Minister Doug Donaldson as well on the situation yesterday. Still looking for some answers, i got to say, but uh, definitely a, a story that's worth following, something that's worth paying attention to, and uh, definitely a shame for those homeowners that are living out there. It's... Uh, Frustrating, to say the least. Well, it looks like we should be in for an okay weekend. I mean, uh, 29 degrees here today, 26 degrees and sunny on Sunday. But, of course, uh, you know, it's almost the weekend, so I had to throw at least a chance of showers in for Saturday. So, boat launch is open here in the city today. Sounds like a good day to do it today. Maybe on Sunday, maybe on Monday, tomorrow. And it looks like that's a 50-50 shot. You might get stuck in the rain. So just be aware of that when you are going out. All right. Well, thank you to everyone for joining me here today. Thank you for all my guests, of course, for taking the time to speak with me. And remember, whether you join me here for a short while or a long while, just know that I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Enjoy your weekend, and I'll be back here on Monday at noon.